Hi, my name is Chuck Myers with Martial Arts Med, and I have a special guest here today, Dr. Crotty, Dr. Laura Crotty. She is an associate professor of medicine at UCSD Pulmonary Critical Care Doctor. Uh, went to Harvard Medical, or I'm sorry, Duke University Medical School, and did her fellowship at Harvard. Studied at Mass General Hospital um, in Boston and is now the lead researcher on vaping at UCSD Medical Center. Um, welcome, Dr. Crotty. Oh, it's great to be here. Today we're going to talk a lot about vaping, its effects on the body, the types of research we're doing on vaping, uh, what we don't know, and what we also do know. This is my favorite topic, so uh, I'm excited to talk all about e-cigarettes, e-liquids, and what's going on. All right. So... Um, what are the differences between, you know, vaping, vaping versus smoking? Sure. So smoking, we think about conventional tobacco, conventional cigarettes, and those, when you smoke, you're inhaling four to 7,000 different chemicals. And there have been a ton of studies on the chemicals within cigarette smoke. So we know that there's several carcinogens, which means that they cause cancer. There's many, many, many different toxins that can directly kill cells. And with studying them for over 70 years, we know that they cause lung cancer, esophageal cancer, all kinds of neurologic effects, cardiac effects, emphysema, just the the list of health effects uh, attributable to cigarette smoking goes on and on and on. But unfortunately, it took us over 50 years to figure out that cigarette smoking caused any adverse effect on health. And now in this era of vaping, we're in the same situation as when smoking first became popular. So vaping is the use of any e-device there's many different names and they and many different styles. So you can look at 15 different devices and they all look unique. Um, so an e-device consists of a battery, usually a lithium ion battery that's rechargeable, that's hooked up to a container of liquid. These containers are called tanks or cartridges or pods and they have um, a liquid inside of them that has the active chemical of interest to the user. So replace smoking to help people quit smoking um, and become the device of choice. So the e-liquid is composed of chemicals to get nicotine into solution so that it can be heated up, pulled through a mesh device to turn it into droplets so that it can be inhaled. One difference between cigarette smoke, which has the four to 7,000 chemicals, and e-cigarette vapor is that the e-cigarette vapor tends to be about 30 to 70 chemicals. Mm. So much, much fewer numbers of chemicals, but unfortunately, they're all chemicals that we have never tested on the human lung and the human body by inhalation. So we're just in this position that we don't know what's going to happen in 20 years, 30 years with vaping. So these chemicals that are in the vapes, they're not also in cigarettes? I know some of them are, such as nicotine is one of them. Yeah, so the number one commonality across that is the nicotine. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, uh, vegetable glycerin, which is also just called glycerin or glycerol, 
that's the one that's added to make the cloud have a denser appearance, like to be more apparent. And then propylene glycol is used to get the nicotine into solution. So the big three are the glycerin, the propylene glycol, and the nicotine. Those are the core three chemicals mm -hmm. in like almost all e-liquids. Okay. And those aren't also in cigarettes? No. Those are specifically in the oils, right? Because the oils need the, well, the solvent of propylene glycol and, um, and then the nicotine is a big viscosity as well. So they want that in there, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. Like the number one goal of the company selling the nicotine containing devices is to get people addicted so they'll buy more and more and more and mm. keep using them. Okay. Um, so you said 2003, was it, when e-cigarettes had came out? Mm -hmm. When did they start researching these or, you know, wh when did that happen? Sure. So they um, went international in 2007. So they were invented in China, mm -hmm. uh, went onto the international market in 2007. And pretty much as soon as they entered the United States, um, the CDC started investigating them. So they did put effort towards trying to evaluate them and they, they have been researching them all along. Mm -hmm. I personally got into the field about six years ago and was one of the first ones to start uh, researching them on cells, effects on cells, effects on uh, mammalian systems, uh, and then of course looking at humans who vape. Mm, okay. Um, so how many, you know, how often are we seeing, you know, the injuries and disease processes with the vaping, like um, in recent times? So uh, ever since they entered the United States, we've seen lung injury in particular happening at a pretty low pace. Mm -hmm. So every year there's a few cases of hypersensitivity pneumonitis or acute eosinophilic pneumonia, lipoid pneumonia, and then some cases of acute lung injury, acute respiratory distress syndrome. However, this year, things really changed uh, over the summer with the onslaught of the e-cigarette or vaping product-associated lung injury cases that have now been named E-Valley. Mm. So E-Valley was recognized as an entity in July and August, and um, we and others have worked hard to get the word out about it. And with the increased recognition across the country and the world, the number of cases of this entity is up to uh, over 1,800 cases mm. and 37 deaths. So why do you think that is? Like what changed? Is there anything that we know that has changed with the, the oils? So luckily the uh, FDA and the CDC got involved very quickly and they were able to obtain uh, chemical samples from the e-liquids and the e-devices that the people affected were using. Um, turns out that a lot of the people affected use multiple devices and vape multiple liquids. Mm -hmm. So it makes the picture very complex to try and find the one answer. So they've basically made a massive spreadsheet to look at all the devices and the liquids. They've run the liquids through mass spectrometry mm -hmm. to make a list of all the chemicals, which is very extensive. So they have not been able to drill down on one chemical to lay the blame. But over 80% of those affected admitted to vaping THC, um, whereas only 11% only vaped nicotine-containing e-cigarettes. 
So there's a large signal to suggest that the chemical or chemicals that are causing E-Valley um, are probably ones that are being mixed with THC and then vaped or dabbed. Mm -hmm. So dabbing is slightly different than vaping. Mm -hmm. um, it's more of a solid um, with THC in it that you put on a hot coil and then inhale. Okay. And so the you're seeing most of the injuries with the THC vapes. Um, and going into that, we can't really study the THC vapes because of the regulation of the government. Am I right? Yes. That? So it's very tricky. So I've been studying the nicotine-based e-cigarettes for you know the six years. So we started by studying Sigalikes and then vape pens and then mods, which are the third generation devices, and then moved into the pod-based e-cigarettes, which are the fourth generation devices. Okay. And so for those, we just went and bought them from the companies. We went to gas stations and bought them. We bought them online. So it was very easy for us to do the research um, by just purchasing the, the way that a normal consumer would. Okay. But it so turns out- a bunch of doctors just you guys all just vaping, trying them out? No, <laughs> but I do have a lot of undergraduates in my lab, and I do worry about <laughs> that. <laughs> but I think they understand Some they're not supposed to <laughs> vape. Uh, the research vapes are only for the mice okay. and ourselves. <laughs> Is that mainly what you're <laughs> testing on, are mice in the labs? Yeah, so mice are an excellent model for accelerating disease. So in humans, we would need to have humans vape for 30 to 60 years to really know what the effects are on the brain, the heart, the lungs, the kidneys, everything. But in a mouse, we can have the mouse inhale the same e-cigarette vapor every day for three months, and that's the equivalent of 30 years in a human. Mm -hmm. So we can use them to find out what's gonna happen to us, basically, if we continue to allow people to vape so like we know smoking's bad we've studied it for now what 50 plus years and uh, vaping just really just the last like 10 15 years somewhere in there um, I mean could you say at this point that vaping is better than smoking I can't say that at this point and it's really sad that I can't say that at this point I felt more strongly back in 2013 when I got into the field um, that e-cigarettes had to be better than conventional tobacco because how in the world can anything be worse than smoking conventional tobacco? Mm -hmm. So as a lung doctor, seeing all these people suffering um, the adverse uh, consequences of tobacco, um, dying from lung cancer, dying of heart disease, um, you know, I was just convinced that e-cigarettes you know, were going to be better, that they were going to be a good answer to help people stop smoking yeah. because it's such uh, an addiction, a very difficult addiction. But every year that I've been in the field, um, it's become clearer and clearer that the e-cigarettes themselves uh, will cause a multitude of health effects, um, some of which are completely different than those seen with cigarette smoking, and that we need to be really careful about advising people um, about their safety because it's going to bite us in the you-know-where in the future because people are going to come back to us and say, you said these were safe. Yeah. You know, you said that this was better than cigarette smoking, and now I have blank disease. The funny thing is not a lot of people are saying that, though, that are, like, medical 
professionals. It's the who knows who's saying it, but it's a lot of people that they want to believe that vaping is good. Yes, you know? I absolutely. I was talking to a friend earlier, and they're like, um, oh, I, I told her I was doing a vaping po- podcast, and, <laughs> and she got very defensive because she enjoys vaping, and she she wants to believe it's better than cigarettes. And, you know, maybe that is the case. There isn't going to be a point in time where we're going to say, yes, this is healthy for you. You should start vaping. You know, you should uh, never yeah, exactly. put anything into your lungs, right? Exactly. Your poor lungs. <laughs> if you really think about them, they're this, you know, fine, you know, tissue paper organ designed to exchange gases. Mm-hmm. So oxygen, carbon dioxide, nitrogen, that's what's supposed to go into your lungs and exit your lungs. And so anything else that goes into your lungs is going to cause disease. So we learn that with the cigarette smoking. We know that with pollution. We know that with smoke from fires, from home fires, like all these things. So if you really think about it that way, and then you think about this cloud of 30 to 70 chemicals, and you're putting that into your lungs, yeah, that's never going to be healthy. The fact that you can't even really moderate how much you're vaping, how do you... You know, maybe some of these machines show how many poles that you're taking or maybe to say, okay, you've taken 50 hits today. Like you should probably put the, put the vape down. <laughs> um, but the thing is the, you know, I want to say kids, but it's not. It's everybody that, you know, everybody that is vaping, they're taking massive hits and it's such a habitual thing that they're sitting there and dragging from the vape every who knows how often. And it's really easy to do that. You know, they push a button, they inhale and you get smoke. Um, but it's really hard to keep track of how much they are truly smoking. I absolutely agree. I think you really hit the nail on the head there. With a cigarette, you know, you go through the action. You have to find a spot that you can smoke. Mm -hmm. You light it, and when you finish that one cigarette, you really have to decide if you're going to commit to, you know, doing a whole other one. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's, you know, you really put a lot of thought into it, whereas with the e-cigarettes, it's just easy to palm it and, Mm -hmm. like, quickly just put it in your mouth briefly. And the newer pod-based devices are designed to be very subtle with very light clouds mm-hmm. and, you know, light smells so that it's easier to use them uh, in bathrooms, classrooms, mm-hmm. airports. So I absolutely agree with you. I don't know what the answer is, but hearing um, stories from users and how the first thing they do in the morning before they even get out of bed is they reach over to their nightstand and they take a puff and the last thing they do before they go to bed, they lay down in their bed, they take a puff, a vape, and they set it back down. And hearing them describe their addiction and their inability to quit, you know, is frightening because we've heard the same stories from smokers for yeah. decades. Something else that I'm curious about, a lot of people are curious about or think that vaping is a good option to transition to quit smoking. Um, do you think that, you know, that's a good recommendation to so currently, uh, so the oldest generation devices, the Sigalikes and the vape pens, were not efficient at delivering nicotine. And so they were not helpful in smoking cessation uh, in the small trials that were done. But over 10 trials were done, and they, uh, and the majority of them, the e-cigarette led to worst um, cessation attempts. Mm. Um, but the newer devices, like the mods and the pod-based devices, are much more efficient at delivering nicotine, getting the nicotine to your brain within the same amount of time as smoking a cigarette. Um, And so that has made them more efficient at being able to replace a cigarette. So the newest studies coming out is if you 
are asking, can e-cigarettes work to help you replace cigarettes with e-cigarettes? That does look like people, you know, can do that, um, but it doesn't help you quit nicotine. Okay. And are you getting uh, less of a dosage of nicotine from the e-cigs, or is that hard to determine? It's debatable. So the the studies that came out a couple years ago suggested that when people, when smokers added in e-cigarettes, they actually cranked up the amount of nicotine total that they were taking in per day. Um, and sometimes that's how people can quit because if you're used to 10 milligrams a day and you take it up to 30 through an e-cigarette, then you're not going to crave the nicotine from a regular cigarette. Um, and so some of the newer research coming out suggests that because the nicotine dosing is so high in the newest generation of devices, that people are modulating their use more um, because with one puff off of a pod device, uh, it delivers such a high amount of nicotine that people don't use it again for several minutes. We know the long-term effects of nicotine, though, right? We know what are some of the health effects that you would see in just nicotine use long-term? So nicotine is interesting um, because the majority of the studies were done, you know, in conjunction with cigarette smoke. Um, itself as a chemical has, you know, powerful effects on uh, inflammation and the immune system and the central nervous system. So it, it has like very s direct effects um, that have been sort of mixed in with the cigarette smoke effects. So it can cause increased heart rate, which puts strain on your heart over and over and over again, which will lead to you know, heart failure, cardiovascular disease. It um, directly activates uh, the reward system in the brain. So that's really the, the main thing that we worry about is the addiction pathways. In the lungs, it's a little bit trickier because at first it acts as a, an immune an suppressant. So it sort of blocks inflammatory pathways, but then over time, those pathways uh, look like they get upregulated. So it's interesting that we've been studying nicotine for a very long time, but I would say that we need to do more work on uh, the inhalation of nicotine. Um, and when you mix it in with the propylene glycol and the glycerin that are in all e-liquids, um, the effects change. So because you have these other chemicals at play with the nicotine, you actually uh, tend to see high levels of inflammation happening, um, whereas if you were just giving the nicotine, it would be different. Okay. So going over the chemicals in vape oil, so, so there's propylene glycol, nicotine. So in general, there's thousands of different chemicals that people add into the e-liquids for a variety of reasons. So if you think about it, the propylene glycol is used to get nicotine into solution because nicotine is not water soluble, meaning that if you try and put nicotine in water, it doesn't go into solution. It stays a solid, and so you can't vape that. Okay. So they figured out very early on that if they mix it with propylene glycol, it will turn into a liquid. Then you can heat it, aerolysize it, breathe it in. Works great. Um, but then they added the glycerin so that you get that thick, beautiful cloud of vapor. So that's why they added the glycerin. Okay. And then there's all these other hundreds to thousands of chemicals that were added, mainly for flavor. 
because it turns out that we learned this the hard way that if you ask somebody to vape just propylene glycol, glycerin, and nicotine, it tastes pretty gross and they don't want to do it. Uh, we tried that in a research study because we were like, oh, if we can get people to just vape the, the core chemicals and we can look at the inflammation in their body, you know, we can get clearer answers about what this is doing to the human body. But nobody would use the liquid without flavors. Mm. So all these other chemicals were added for flavors. And then Juul uh, realized that if you added in sodium benzoate, and you uh, change the pH a little bit, that you got a smoother hit, um, and that you could also get higher amounts of nicotine into solution if you use nicotinic salts. So people have been trying new chemicals, like every few months, uh, new chemicals sort of come on the market, get mixed in with things. Um, and so in terms of you know, what these other chemicals can do, a lot of them have been found to be directly toxic to airway cells, to immune cells, that can trigger, you know, wheezing, airway reactivity. So there's, yeah, there's just all these chemicals that can cause all kinds of craziness. In terms of the vitamin E, yeah, yeah. we had not heard that that was being added to e-liquids until this year. Oh, really? Yeah. So I went back and I, like, Googled it because, like, if you go on the forums online, you can learn a ton about what people are mixing in and YouTube videos, like people will post all kinds of videos about how to mix in your THC to your propylene glycol with your flavors to get it perfect. Um, and I did find a mention of vitamin E to be added in because vitamin E helps your skin heal. So people were commenting five years ago, oh yeah, you should add it into your vape e-liquid because it's good for your lungs. Hmm. Just because it's called vitamin. So yeah. it's very tricky. Like people consider certain things safe like the FDA has approved propylene glycol and glycerin for ingestion through the GI tract. So people associate that with it being okay for it to enter your body, even though they never approved it to enter your body by the airways. Um, so it's, it's very interesting like that these chemicals just get, keep getting added and people view them as safe or potentially healthy. Yeah. But if you look at the chemical structure of vitamin E, it is this massive structure. It is a huge chemical. And breathing it in is just going to coat your uh, lungs and uh, do all kinds of terrible things <laughs> to the <laughs> cells. So that one might be causing direct harm cool. and might be responsible for some of this. But we don't know because we haven't done the research studies. Okay. And that seems to be a, a new chemical added this year. Yes. The vitamin E. Okay. People are like, it's the vitamin E that's actually causing the injuries um, but um, and we'd love to be able to say that because you know it's a difficult situation to be placed in when we're like well now we're suggesting to everybody that they stop vaping all devices and all liquids because we don't know what's causing this terrible epidemic that's killing people mm -hmm. um, and also just shredding people's lungs and we're not sure that their lungs are ever going to return to normal um, so we would love to be able to tell them, yeah, it's this one chemical, don't do that, and you should be fine. Yeah. Um, so we are hopeful that in the next, like, several months, like, we'll have some specific chemicals to be able to give guidance on. Because we're also concerned that if we tell people to completely stop vaping, you know, they're addicted to the nicotine. Like, yeah. they are going to need a replacement. And so are they all going to shift 
over to conventional tobacco? Well, t- cigarettes or are they now getting more black market oils, you know, that could potentially have even more of these chemicals in there, you know? Yes, absolutely. So if we ban them in like counties and states and cities, you know, will they just go find them other places that are more dangerous sources? Absolutely. And um, how many cases have you have you seen of the these life-threatening injuries or just, you know, injuries in hospital admissions in general with the vaping? So I've personally seen a couple, but since I'm an e-cigarette expert, I've had several people from across the country, you know, and here in San Diego reach out, you know, and specifically ask for advice. So, you know, every single state except for Alaska has had cases of E-Valley and the U.S. Virgin Islands and Canada have had cases as well. So it's prevalent. It's in every single state. I would suggest that it's Mm. in most of our cities already Mm. that people are having these um, inflammatory lung diseases. Okay. Um, and do you, um, when you, w- could you uh, kind of hit on E-Valley again and what that, what that is? Sure. So the, this epidemic of vaping associated lung injury, and it's officially called E-Valley, e-cigarette or vaping product associated lung injury, which is why we call it E-Valley. So we don't have to say that. Um, it is a disease in which people become short of breath. They often have cough or wheezing or chest pain and often have abdominal symptoms too, like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain. So most people have respiratory symptoms and abdominal symptoms. And most people also have fevers, weight loss, and just feel bad. And what's happening is uh, on imaging, both lungs are involved, like every single lobe of the lung shows injury and inflammation. And the pattern is most consistent with an inhalation injury. So just as if a firefighter had gone into a building without their mask on and breathed in, you know, smoke created from burning materials, Mm -hmm. that's what these people's lungs look like. Wow. And do you see that with like with cigarette smoke as well? Like no. Do you see these injuries? And that's what's been most surprising is that, you know, we've seen lung injury from vaping. We've seen all kinds of different inflammatory patterns from vaping. And um, like over half of those we also see with cigarette smoking. Um, but this particular pattern uh, we have never seen with conventional tobacco smoke. So it truly is a e-cigarette specific disease process. And did you just start seeing those this year, these acute lung injuries? Um, we've seen acute lung injuries from vaping over the past several years. And the thought is is that those cases were due to specific susceptibility of somebody to one chemical flavor. Or we had people who had modified their e-cigarette device to try and get a bigger cloud and then basically coated their entire lungs. So they killed off a bunch of their lung cells by drowning them in this vapor. So we've seen acute lung injury over the years from vaping, but this epidemic is very different. And part of the reason why it stands alone is that these abdominal symptoms were never seen with the other ones. And the sheer numbers are very different than what we just see with the regular low-grade vaping-induced lung injuries. Like this is uh, 
recognized by the epidemiologist to be something very new and thus being tied to something new that came on the market, something different that people are doing this year that was yeah. never done before. And how many cases have you seen? So across how the have we seen as a whole as a whole is uh, 1880 cases. So the CDC updates the numbers every Thursday. So over 1,800 cases and 37 deaths as of this week. Last wow. week we were at 1,600 and 33 <laughs> deaths. So it just keeps marching up. Okay. And I would assume it's just going to continue to march up because it doesn't seem like people are stopping, you know, vaping, right? I mean, there were some hints that maybe the case numbers are dropping, but it's uh, it's very difficult to tell right now. I think that might also be a hopeful statement yeah. that we're like, okay, we've gotten the word out. So maybe people are not vaping or dabbing THC and maybe we can stem this tide by just having people stop. Yeah. But as we talked about, you know, these are very addictive substances and um, it's very hard to tell somebody stop this because we're pretty sure it's causing something terrible. Um, but you're very addicted to it, so it's it's a difficult situation. Are the THC oils? Do they do most of them have nicotine as well? Is that no? So most of them stand alone. So okay. we consider the nicotine e-liquids to be one set, and so we often call those um, e-devices that deliver nicotine or nicotine-containing e-liquids. And then the other set are the THC liquids and solids. So the act of uh, dabbing that we talked about a little bit is the THC is mixed with chemicals to make a solid. So it's like a thicker substance. Um, sometimes it's the uh, consistency of like honey. Um, so they use very different chemicals to make it thicker. And it might be those chemicals that make it thicker that actually are the ones that are intensely damaging to the lungs. But again, these are our hypotheses that, you know, what is different about the vaping of THC or dabbing of THC that might be causing this epidemic. Mm -hmm. And we think it's probably something that's being added to make that the way that people want it to be for dabbing. Okay. And those, um, the injuries, are you're seeing, are you're seeing more lung injuries with the THC vapes, would you say? Um mainly that over 80% of the people diagnosed with E-Valley admitted to vaping THC. So that ties it closer to this disease than any of the other devices or liquids. Okay. That it seems like some probably wouldn't even admit to it or they'll say, I'm just smoking e-cigarettes. Um, so it's kind of, I'm sure that's a tough one. It is a tough one. There's 11% who say that they only vape nicotine but if you think about it, we had those other lung diseases that were happening with the nicotine-associated e-liquids, e-devices. And it's probable that e-valley is not just one entity due to one chemical. It's probably um, a collection of lung injuries that we haven't been able to separate out yet. So it is possible that those 11% that only use nicotine that that's a slightly different disease than the 80% that, you know, said that they vaped THC or dabbed THC. Hmm. Are you seeing things like peripheral vascular disease 
do we know if that's also happening with vaping? There is suggestion that uh, the vaping is causing um, arterial changes. So there's been a couple of studies in humans and a couple in mice that showed that the uh, sort of smooth muscle of the arteries does sort of constrict more after you've vaped. Um, And so that suggests that it's a nicotine-specific pathway since we see that in cigarette smoking too. So there have been some really nice studies where you actually ultrasound the arteries and you can measure uh, how much they're changing and you have somebody smoke a cigarette and see how it changes. You have them vape an e-cigarette and see how much it changes. And they're pretty similar, the, the changes? They're pretty similar for hmm. the peripheral vascular effects. Wow. This is kind of, a, I'm sure, controversial ques- uh, question, but with marijuana in particular, would you recommend that people, instead of vaping, would you say smoke the regular weed? Sadly, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing to say, but I'm like, do not vape THC. <laughs> do not dab it. Like, just don't do it. Because we know what's in, it's uh, you know, we know what's in weed, right? It's just a plant, hopefully, that nobody's spraying things on. Well, tr- exactly. I was like, the insecticides might be a big problem. And so, you know, it's always tricky. There's always, you know, you should never inhale anything into your lungs except <laughs> clean air. Like, I wish that I could just get people to do that. But, you know, I can't breathe clean air yeah. <laughs> in Southern California either. Um, so, yes, I, I personally suggest edibles as an option because okay. that <laughs> bypasses your lungs. And since I'm lung centric and try and protect them as much as possible, it's like if somebody can get by with using edibles instead, that's my first Incredible. suggestion. And then my second suggestion is, you know, smoking marijuana. People have done it for years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. It does damage the lungs. It does um, accelerate emphysema. We know it does bad things, but it doesn't cause e-valley as far as we've been able to you know, see. So in terms of something causes damage over years and years and years versus having the potential to kill you uh, in the next couple of weeks, so at this moment, I would say it's safest to not vape THC and to find okay. another way. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> edibles, smoke the regular weed, but still not good for your lungs. Yes. N- smoking nothing, s- putting anything near your lungs is not good. Um, it's interesting. I saw a, a stu- it was a recent study on the chemicals we use in the hospital and the cleaning products and how it is, it has its, well, supposedly is it accelerated, um, the development of COPD and like healthcare workers because we're constantly wiping surfaces with these like super hev- heavy chemicals. That is really depressing news. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> it's, it's, it's not surprising because we have seen a lot of people come in who are like cleaning crews for mm. airplanes, you know, a confined space, yeah. uh, people who do pool work. So they're working f- with these super powerful chlorine chemicals. And so they open the containers and they breathe in these clouds of chemicals. But yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's really sad. Yeah. The amount of cleaning we do has increased. I mean, they even have us here. I mean, we're every shift we're supposed to be cleaning all the surfaces as the nurse. We're, you know, that's our responsibility each shift. So we should probably These get the ventilation sim- systems that uh, casinos have because they're <laughs> able to move the air out so quickly that you can like not even smell cigarette smoke. So I wonder if that would be helpful. <laughs> Or we're just going to have to wear respirators, respirators uh, all, the when all the time. <laughs> that would be Which comfortable, right? Be a, I mean, it would not be comfortable, but 
it might actually be a good thing. I mean, considering how many exposures that we have, and they're like, oh, wait, they do have TB, so we should probably wear masks <laughs> now after we've been in the room. We are going times. into influenza season, so yeah, wearing yeah. a mask is uh, reasonable. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, we, uh, did you get your flu shot? Yes, did. I did. Okay, I haven't yet. I need to, I need to hide my badge so they don't know <laughs> yet. <laughs> um, but let's see here. We won't go into the flu shot. That's not. I saw at Ralph's. They were giving them out for free. For and free at Ralph's? Yeah, and hmm. CVS was posting it that it was free as well. So you could do that tonight. Yeah. Get your flu shots, people. Get your flu shots. All right. Um, let's see. What else, what else do we need to talk about here? I guess I saw. Um, so just to be clear, e-cigarettes are not FDA approved. So a lot of people are under the false um, belief that they are, but they are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's simply that the FDA tried to regulate them years ago, and they got blocked over and over and over again. Um, and so they've never regulated e-cigarettes. So they're not considered healthy or safe by the FDA or any of us. Um, just so that the population knows that. <laughs> that's yeah, that's good to know. And like we said, putting anything in your lungs is exactly is not good for you. Another false belief is that it's water vapor, and mm. as we talked about, there's like you know thirty to seventy chemicals in it, and not a single one of those is water. Mm. So they are the propylene glycol, um, glycerin, nicotine, or THC. Um, so they are chemical solvents plus your active ingredient and then all the chemicals added for flavor, mouthfeel, and all that good stuff. Not yeah. water vapor. And the um, I saw I was reading something about over 8,000 different uh, flavors, I guess, they have for these. Yep. So they keep creating new ones. So, <laughs> you know, uh, blueberry bubblegum <laughs> or blueberry creme brulee. Cotton candy. What do you want? Yeah, Anything. all kinds of options. Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger flavor. Pirate's booty. <laughs> There's yeah. one I saw. Yeah. All kinds of great names. Something for everybody. Yes. Something <laughs> for everybody. So what do you see for the future of vaping research in the next, let's say, f- you know, next few years? So uh, there's still going to be a big push um, from labs like mine where we continue to try and figure out what the chronic effects of e-cigarette vaping is going to do because e-cigarettes are here to stay. I mean, they're always going to be around whether people are buying them on the black market or ordering them from China or whatever. So people are going to find a way to vape. And so we do need to figure out what the long-term effects are on the brain, the heart, the kidneys, the lungs, all that good stuff. So that's going to be one set of research that we continue. Um, but in the next year, there's going to be a big push to figure out what exactly is causing E-Valley and, you know, what are the most dangerous substances, uh, especially being mixed with THC and the hopes that by telling people what they are, they could stop mixing them in and that this would be the best thing for public health, um, to stop the E-Valley cases from happening. Yeah. If you can just, you know, pinpoint what are the things that the chemicals that are you know, instead of v- banning all vapes, let's ban, you know, propylene glycol or whatever th- that is, right? Um, whatever is actually causing the illness. Um, and that's always been a big push is like to try and advise the companies and the public on how to make a safer product. You know, what are the things that are most dangerous that you really need to avoid? 
with the view that we're never going to be able to stop people from vaping because as we were talking about like people like it they get addicted and just like alcohol you know adults are allowed to make their own decisions Absolutely. they can choose to drink and drink and drink and that you know will kill you too <laughs> <laughs> well that that was part of my my motivation for you know putting this together because people aren't as informed about what the effects of vaping are and there's going to continue to be more research and people can keep saying it's healthy for you but we're going to find out just like any other vice that we have whether that's drinking you know smoking cigarettes doing meth we know that you know it, it's not good for you um but you can make an informed decision to say okay i still want to mess up my lungs or i still want to destroy my liver um or you know at least do it in moderation if you're going to do it and know what you're doing to your body absolutely um one thing about the whole banning I wanted to ask about the so every people think that it's big like the big cigarette companies are saying hey let's ban these vapes because we want our cigarettes to sell is that it's actually the opposite true? so it's actually an urban myth urban legend and it's actually surprising that um, it's a bunch of the vape shop owners actually have that belief um, which is surprising to me because it's so clear from the higher perspective that Big Tobacco actually owns e-cigarettes. So over 90% of the companies are owned by Big Tobacco. 90%. So, so the big three, uh, Reynolds and Altria, um, they bought up all of the e-cigarette companies because they want to make money. They wanted in on the market. So they started gobbling them up years ago, and they, you know, they don't advertise that. They don't want you to know that these, you know, companies that we consider terrible, horrible beasts, you know, are, you know, they own the market. Right. They are driving this boat. So one of the reasons the FDA has not been able to regulate them is that it's a powerful entity, big tobacco. So they have, you know, they pour money into lobbyists who you know work the scene in DC and all of the you know state governments to protect their interests so it's actually the opposite so big tobacco is working fast and hard to stop the bans from happening um, to make sure that their products are kept on the market do they care if people vape versus smoke cigarettes I don't think so I think they just want them to buy one of the two yeah it's about money but the other interesting thing is a lot of people you know know they vape and they smoke cigarettes so they're doing both double win so for the companies <laughs> double win for the companies <laughs> double hit on the lungs so yeah yeah it's it's fascinating um about the whole thing but uh yeah is big tobacco any different again than the alcohol companies um you know they're they're in it to make money they know adults at least will make their own choices and that yes many adults will make bad choices and do it too much mm -hmm. um, and will not survive that um, I think putting a focus on trying to make e-cigarettes less attractive to youth just like we did with alcohol so you know like alcohol like they were banned from uh, making you know kid-centric flavors mm -hmm. um, tobacco conventional tobacco was banned from flavoring their uh, tobacco that would be appealing to you know certain groups including youth so e-cigarettes should fall underneath that umbrella so I do think banning 
bubblegum flavors and, you know, Apple Jacks flavors and things that, you know, specifically appeal to the young non-smokers yeah. um, absolutely should or be done. Olds. I mean, I mean, I would be interested in like half of those flavors too, though. That sounds good to me. <laughs> You're not old, yeah. so you still Lucky count Charms as flavor. a yes, young, young adult. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you recommend people make their own oils at home versus buying the oils from a company? That is an interesting question that I don't get asked very much. Um, I definitely, as a researcher, chose to buy ultra-clean propylene glycol and glycerin and nicotine from Sigma, which is the chemical company that makes, you know, the cleanest um, chemicals. But that's not something that, you know, somebody at home could do. Um, so really, somebody at home would be ordering these chemicals, usually online, and uh, when um, these e-liquids have been tested in labs like what people are selling them as like don't match up with what's actually in there so i would say it's you know just as bad to mix your own e-liquids at home versus buying them just because when you're buying them from these e-cigarette company sources e-liquid company sources you still don't know what's in there um yeah is that that makes sense. So they can still be adding things to the, it's not like it's a pure substance you're buying. Exactly. So when um, a group went out and purchased e-liquids that were advertised as containing no nicotine and they tested all of them, all of them contain nicotine. <laughs> so it was like, that's really sneaky that yeah. you get somebody to use it because they think it doesn't have nicotine and then you get them hooked on nicotine anyway. I was like, wow. that is sneaky, sneaky. Very sneaky, and there's nobody really regulating these no, things anyway. No, so. because the FDA has been blocked um, mm. multiple times. Now it looks like they are going to be able to regulate them, hopefully. Okay. Um, so in the future, in a couple of years, we're hoping that the e-liquids will go through testing um, and we'll have to prove that they're safe before use. Is there anything someone can do specifically while continuing to vape to do it in a safer manner I would say um, don't modify the devices. Um, I actually do think it's probably safer to buy the actual electronic device from a bigger company um, because I'm just hopeful that they have some quality control instead of smaller companies or individuals who are selling these that might be building them in unclean environments like garages and letting dust fall in. Mm. So when you've uh, seen the news stories about e-cigarettes exploding, it's thought that it's because you know they had dirt and dust or poor connections, poor quality materials being put in there. Um, so probably using a, a device from a well-known company is probably safer than um, purchasing it from a smaller company or getting it you know, uh, from a friend or something like that. And I was thinking that might be true of the e-liquids as well. So if you're using a nicotine e-liquid, um, it probably is better to be buying that from a big company that's doing big batches and hopefully doing quality control themselves. Mm. But again, to do true quality control, that's a lot of money. You have to have mass spec to check your uh, batches, and it's unlikely that most companies are doing that. And then on the THC side, you know, definitely avoiding all dabbing the wax, the crackle, all these different names for it, that that's um, probably the thing that is driving E-Valley 
um, and doing it in a different way, right. as we talked about. So the dabbing is mo most of the people that are coming in are with E-Valley have admitted I've been dabbing. That's uh, what we know so far. We don't have the straight up numbers on that, but I think those will be released in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. But that is a strong signal is that the dabbing in particular, not so much just the THC and other e-liquids, um, but safer to avoid vaping of all THC, dabbing of all THC right now. Okay, just until we get more info. But it's never going to be good for you. Never going to be good <laughs> for you. Always going to cause some problems. Yeah. Any um, specific advice that you that comes to mind that you'd want to give to the people? Um, we've talked a little bit about how THC has been used for years and years and years. Like people have smoked marijuana for decades. Um, and we know it does damage the lungs and cause some harm. But a lot of people don't realize that it actually uh, drives anxiety and depression as well. Um, so some people use it to treat, um, you know, pain and anxiety. Um, but we have a lot of people who suffer from anxiety and depression because they use marijuana or THC. Um, and it can be um, really, you know, uh, life-changing when they stop and they can get back to a normal state of mind and they realize that, you know, inhaling or eating or vaping uh, that substance, you know, has, you know, sort of mood-changing effects, mood-altering effects, um, especially in the youth. Uh, they seem to be very susceptible. So I just wanted to mention that. It's, it's just something that we don't talk about a whole lot yeah. as, you know, something dangerous. You wouldn't think a teenager who picked up THC you know, you wouldn't automatically be worried that they're going to become anxious and depressed. Um, but that does happen. It's a fairly common uh, problem. Well, most people think it's the opposite effect. It's going to make you happy and, and hungry. And, you know, but the happiness is like, yeah, you're going to smoke and smoke weed. You're going to be happy. You're going to laugh. You watch the movies. People are smoking and laughing, right? I mean, yep. we've, we've all seen Harold and Kumar uh, yeah. <laughs> from the White Castle, you know. Yeah, yeah I think that's. That's, again, you know, almost like a marketing strategy that, you know, this is something safe. So, you know, it's really smoking marijuana really has, you know, if you look at all the blogs and how people talk about it, it's really considered, you know, very safe. Um, but it's not, you know, there are consequences to using, you know, uh, chemicals that act directly on your brain. Like things, it changes your brain and you respond to things differently. Some of it will come down to individual susceptibility. So some people could probably smoke marijuana their whole life and never have any problems. Mm. Um, but others, they could smoke it for a couple of months and become very depressed and anxious. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, and the, the interesting thing, what, what if, you know, if they're depressed before smoking and they're like, well, maybe this will help me and they smoke more, maybe they'll get more depressed. Say, well, I need, I need to smoke more then and do these people maybe continue to smoke. So... If you're having depression and you're smoking smoking weed, maybe try to stop smoking weed for a bit and see if your depression gets better. And if it does, then that's that could be a big factor. Absolutely. In, in mood. And that's what the, the psychiatrist and psychologist would advise because they you know, see this all the time. Um, and they can really struggle in convincing people that the marijuana has anything to do with their mood. Because in general, like people just really don't think that it could cause uh, those you know, negative uh, things. Yeah. Well, because that is really all you hear is it'll make you happy. It'll help your mood. It'll take away, you know, nowadays it's like 
using it as a pain medicine option. Um, still seemingly better than our narcotics and things that we use. Yes. Um, Narcotics are definitely a completely different epidemic that is killing, you know, way more people than vaping is or, you know, using THC. So narcotics are hot tricks in the hospital. It seems well, we're getting better. We've gotten a lot better in the last few years. So definitely, you know, that's uh, identifying that as a terrible problem uh, has been super helpful in uh, getting people to stop um, prescribing it or to be much more careful with prescribing it. Yeah, I've I've noticed just uh, from first starting nursing, I was a nurse eight years ago, started in the field, and and it was also at a a community medical center. So doctors were like, you give Dilaudid, it's like, let's start it one more again. Or I I, I see more than that sometimes on these patients. I'm like, but isn't this grandma, she's like, you know, 90 pounds, we're going (laughs) to give her one milligram? I knew no no different, though, you know. And then I I, I went to... um, you know, I started at Northwestern actually, and then we were giving like 0.2 milligrams. I was like, "That's too little. Like, that's not going to do anything for this person." And I didn't believe it for for a bit. And then I, you know, that's really all you need sometimes is a small it's dose. So powerful. So why not start small? You know, point you know point two a dilated or, you know, versus like just giving somebody a hefty dose. Yeah, it's almost swung the opposite direction. So. Um, you know, surgeons actually can have a difficult time uh, prescribing narcotics because there's so many regulations and blockades that, you know, to give somebody enough narcotic because you've sliced them open, um, it can be hard to, to treat their pain. So, yeah, we're in a very interesting time where we need to be really careful. We need to, like, really not prescribe as many narcotics as we have in the past. But then again, we do need to treat pain. Yeah. Um, so it's a careful balance for sure. It's an interesting thing, just people come into the hospital to get healthy, and they come out with, like, a drug problem yeah, all the time. Exactly. So if we could at least um, cut that way, way down, then that would be really helpful. Yeah, and it definitely has gotten better in the years. Yeah, I've, I've absolutely. seen it get much better. Absolutely. So look out for future research. You know, um, you have, it looks like you have two, um, you know, two studies, in or in, you know, in the, in the works right now in the next – couple years things will be coming out and just make sure you're looking at what's you know the source of of the education you're getting on vaping you know a lot of the information that people are reading is just not accurate a lot of times and just a small snippet on stopping smoking instead of going to vaping uh, you know check out heart.org they have good resources to quit smoking Um, but just you know uh, try other things versus putting other stuff in your lungs. Don't resort to vaping. Walk outside, get a puppy, all <laughs> those good <laughs> things. <laughs> um, and yes, American Thoracic Society, uh, they have information on e-cigarettes and e-valley. So if you go to thoracic.org, they also have smoking cessation advice. They have a whole set of uh, informational web pages for patients and uh, healthcare practitioners. And then the CDC is the safest source of information for the vaping-associated lung diseases, and they update their uh, pages like practically daily right now, but it's once a week that they're uh, putting the newest information on what's driving the epidemic. Um, just some quick announcements. So um, with Martial Arts Med, if you want to see more about what I'm doing with Martial Arts Med, follow the my Instagram, at Martial Arts Med, or Facebook, for future events and updates. And that is the end of our podcast. 
thank you for listening. Thank you, Dr. Crotty, for your time and um, all your precious information. And I hope everybody learned something today. Yeah, thank awesome. You Thanks much. for having me.